Looking forward to a good Sunday school hour, and uh, good to see some of our folks back. Good to have the Douglases back, and uh, miss it when our family's missing here and gone. Good to have Miss Joanne here today. That's a blessing, having her back home, and uh, Brother Wayne and Miss Kim back. So good to see everybody. Miss Linda's gotten back from her family reunion, had a good reunion, and uh, so good to see everybody back. That's a blessing. We have a few people still out, either traveling or some that uh, we mentioned a couple weeks ago um, that some of our folks had had some concerns about maybe possibly having indirect contact with uh, positive COVID. All of them that we were concerned about were tested and came back negative. So uh, praise the Lord for that. Amen. And uh, so no concern here at the church as far as we know at this point. So, uh, But a few folks did stay just because they are susceptible. They were uh, being a little bit nervous about that. And I let them know, please don't feel bad at all about staying at home and watching the live stream. If they're in a situation or if you're in a situation where uh, physically you're, you're susceptible to that type of stuff, do not feel bad at all. Don't, don't feel like if I stay home they're going to think bad of me. We will not. Uh, we're glad that you're taking care of yourself. So um, just uh, wanted to let you guys know about that. There is no cause for concern at this point. Uh, everybody's tested negative that we were uh, concerned about. And it was nobody in our church, just people that people in our church had been in contact with. And all of them came back negative. So, again, we are, as far as we know, everything is good. And um, But we do know and understand uh, being concerned. So uh, if you needed to... Uh, live stream for a few weeks just to make sure everything's calmed down feel free you're welcome to do that and do not feel bad about that at all i certainly don't want people uh making themselves come to church because they're worried about uh, us being upset at them or worried about them so uh, feel free if you need to do that and i know several of our families have done that and uh, we're praying uh, that god will continue to bless in that area pray for our president obviously and our first lady who um have tested positive for COVID at this point, and uh, a couple of our other um, representatives and senders, I think, have also tested positive, so continue to pray for them and uh, and our country. We've got uh, an election, a very important election coming up, and pray that God will bless there and uh, that we'll vote according to um, biblical principles and um, that we would pray about our votes and then let's be diligent to, to cast those votes. If we don't cast the vote, um, then we don't have any, any place to be able to gripe or argue about the outcome of it. So um, certainly uh, cast your vote and uh, make it count. All right? Exodus chapter number 8. Let's take a few prayer requests this morning. <coughs> uh, continue to pray for uh, Brother Ron Beckett, who uh, got out of therapy Friday, he was able to get settled in. I talked to him this morning. He sounded really, really good on the phone, much better than he had been sounding. And so praise the Lord for some improvement there. Uh, and he got settled into his new place. And so uh, continue to pray for him. Uh, also, Brother Jess Harris, who I think is supposed to get out of therapy. If he didn't get out Friday, he'll probably be getting out either tomorrow or Tuesday. And so pray for him. Um, a friend of mine, uh, Bill Rudd, who's pastor um, over in uh, Kansas, uh, his family uh, contracted COVID, and also the church there did. They're almost done with their quarantine and being over it, and so praise the Lord it wasn't anything serious. 
Um, but uh, they did have a rash of it come through their place. And so uh, I talked to him this morning or was texting with him this morning and they're in good spirits and he said everything's going well. So we thank the Lord for that and a good outcome. Uh, continue to pray for June Bowen, uh, who uh, has conti- is continuing to uh, have to deal with her cancer uh, on top of having tested positive for COVID here recently. And uh, so praise the Lord that that has gone through fairly well. She's on the um, the other side of the COVID virus at this point and has that uh, those antibodies. And uh, so continue to pray there. Pray for Brother Wayne and. Uh, He's getting ready to start some therapy here shortly. <coughs> Excuse me. So pray for that. And uh, praise the Lord, not a whole lot of pain, he said. So we thank the Lord for that. And uh, Miss Kim hasn't been able to beat him for at least a week now because, you know, he's... Oh, she hits you on that side. Okay. <laughs> so, But good to have them back in the services. And Miss Kim really doesn't do that. She really doesn't. Very, very often. So... <laughs> So, but no, good to see them back in the service. All right, uh, so those are the ones that I can think of right now off the top of my head, and uh, anything else? Yes, ma'am. Okay. The Jenkins family, okay. Okay, and that's Mark. Okay, so continue to pray for Mark Ayers. Okay. All right, so continue to pray for him. Yes, ma'am. Okay. Okay, so pray for this family. Okay. Okay, so pray for Josh especially uh, and the loss. It was his dad that passed away, Josh's dad? Okay. Okay, all right. So pray So pray for this family, if you will. All right. Yes, ma'am. Okay. Okay. All right, so pray for Miss Kimmy's dad. Uh, he's For those of you who don't know, he's very diabetic, and so anything like that is, is a very serious, of a very serious nature. So pray for him, if you will. Okay, anything else? Good to have Brother Richard back with us. And uh, got his medicine straightened out, and boy, he's breathing like a champ. He's ready to go run a marathon today, I think. So praise the Lord for that. And uh, certainly good to have him back in the services as well. Okay, anything else? Any answers to prayer or something we're thankful for? Or, okay. Uh-huh. Amen. And before I forget, Brother Ron wanted me to get with you on him getting some more of those. I'll, I'll get with you later on that. Okay. Yes, ma'am. Okay. Uh-huh. 
Amen. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Well, praise the Lord for that. God, God uses unusual ways sometimes, doesn't He? Uh, he uh, uses unusual things to accomplish those uh, requests that we pray for sometimes. And that's what makes them so interesting is seeing how God deals with some of that. So, all right, anything else? Yes, ma'am. Amen. Amen. Okay. All right. Anything else? All right. Yes, ma'am. Miss Linda. Okay. Okay. Right, and and I think already this year we're beyond where we were last year at this point. So, praise the Lord for that. Amen. <laughs> the men are not going to lose this year. Amen. We cannot lose three years in a row. Two was bad enough. Three is no. We don't want to do that. So, it started a trend. There you go. All right. Um, let's have a word of prayer, and we'll get into our lesson this morning. Father, we're so thankful and grateful for another day to serve you. Lord, what a joy it has been looking forward to today and praying for it and asking for your blessing on it. And uh, the great um, family that you've given us here at Keith the Heights Baptist Church, the opportunity that we have to fellowship together and to enjoy uh, the time uh, singing and looking into your word and fellowshipping. Lord, what a, what a blessing it is. And we pray that you'll bless the time that is spent together this morning as we've taken a few moments to look at burdens of the hearts of each of our folks, that uh, you would have your hand upon each of those. And, Lord, some of them that are needing physical healing and strength, we thank you so much <coughs> for the progress of uh, Brother Jess Harris already and Brother Ron and uh, then seeing uh, Brother Wayne here today. Lord, just uh, so many answers to prayer. And those that have been praying for family matters and to see your answers to prayer there and the blessings that you've given. And then, Father, for those that are struggling today that perhaps have lost loved ones recently through death, or uh, we pray that you would bring your comfort to them and strengthen them and draw very near. For those that are in need of a Savior, Lord, I know many of our folks are praying and working with and looking for opportunities to share the gospel with people that they are acquainted with and care for. And I pray that you would guide and direct and give discernment and wisdom in those matters. And, Father, as we have opportunity, that you would allow us to uh, effectively share your word with them. And then, Father, for the time that we spend preaching and teaching the day, I pray that your Holy Spirit will guide us and direct that you would uh, take control of our hearts and our minds. And, Lord, for the next few uh, hours as we're here together today, I pray that whatever there would be that may distract us or cause our hearts to be 
uh, not in tune with your word, that you would help us to lay those cares and burdens aside, that we would focus our hearts completely and wholly upon you. May we rejoice in you today, Lord, what a wonderful time it is to spend in the sweetness that there is and having time with you, and especially as we get to enjoy it together, one with another. We pray that you bless all that we say and do here today, that it will bring honor and glory to you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, Exodus chapter number 8 is where we're going to uh, be launching into you. We're going to back up into chapter 7 just by way of recapping a few things. <coughs> Excuse me. We find that um, God has already told Moses and Aaron both that he's going to harden Pharaoh's heart. Now, there's some reasons for that. We've already read two or three of those reasons. God has made it a point, uh, both when he, or he started when he started calling Moses at the burning bush, to prove to Moses that I am the Lord God. I can do these things. He gave Moses some signs, didn't he? And uh, said, this is how you uh, will let the people know that you're sent from me. Then he goes, uh, Moses and Aaron, they go to uh, the Israelites, and he shows them the signs that God has given them to show, and they are very excited about it. And uh, then Moses and Aaron go to Pharaoh and say, "Let, let my people go, let God's people go. And Pharaoh makes things worse, and we talked a little bit about that, how that sometimes when we're doing God's work, things may get worse. There may be times of persecution, and that uh, we certainly do not expect it to be just a, uh, a, a path of ease and without care. And so uh, the, the stress was put upon the nation of Israel, and they went from being so excited about God sending a deliverer to kind of griping about it, didn't they? And they go to Moses, and they say, boy, we wish you'd have just left things alone. Now things are worse. And uh, so God then tells Moses and Aaron to go to Pharaoh again, and they start going to Pharaoh, and they uh, began to bring the plagues uh, upon the uh, nation of Egypt. Now, last week we dealt with the first three. It's interesting that all of the plagues, there's ten of them all together, each of the plagues um, deals with or attacks or undermines one of the 57 gods that the Egyptians worshipped at that time. Uh, The final one being Pharaoh himself. Pharaoh being a living god to them uh, was the highest form of god. And uh, we find that the very last plague even uh, takes the wind out of Pharaoh's sails and kind of undermines his claim to be a a god king. Uh, So we looked at the first three um, plagues last week in chapter number 7. It's interesting that the first two of the plagues, the magicians were able to duplicate. Um, And again, uh, there is some power that Satan has uh, in this world. Uh, If you remember the time that the Lord Jesus Christ cast the demon out and they asked if they could go and enter into the swine. And the demons went and entered into the swine and they controlled the swine. The swine went and jumped off the edge of a cliff and were killed. So there is some power that's there. Now, certainly not anything to the extent of God's power, and we've seen that already. And one of the things that we'll find is that God is uh, starting kind of small and step-by-step and incrementally um, getting rid of of this set of gods of the Egyptians and saying, okay, they have no power over me. Then he goes to the next um, uh, uh, plague, and that is another two or three gods that he says, okay, they have no power over me, and so on. It's interesting to note that the first three plagues uh, were all over, the Bible says, all over the whole land of Egypt. 
meaning that the Israelites suffered along with the Egyptians in the first three plagues. <clears throat> That's interesting to me. I've often wondered that, and I, I suspect, perhaps, that it could be because of Israel's turning back again against Moses after God had already shown them signs, saying, I'm here for deliverance. And they kind of went back and said, Moses, we wish you hadn't come now. Things are harder. I kind of have a feeling that it's along those lines, perhaps. Don't know for sure. The Bible doesn't tell us for sure. But uh, they do uh, suffer right alongside the Egyptians. Now, we get to the third plague. third plague was found in uh, chapter number 8 and verse number 16. Chapter number 8 and verse number 16. And the Lord said to Moses, Say unto Aaron, Stretch out thy rod and smite the dust of the land, that it may become lice throughout all the land of Egypt. And they did so, for Aaron stretched out his hand with, the, uh, with his rod and smote the dust of the earth. And it became lice in man and in beasts. All the dust of the land became lice throughout all the land of Egypt. And the magicians did so with their enchantments to bring forth lice. Notice this. But they could not. This is the first plague that they're not able to duplicate. And again, uh, whether or not the, the demons had typically would have power over doing something like this or not, one thing we certainly know is that even if they did have that power, God did not allow it to happen in this particular case. Again, showing the might of God. Um, some people mistakenly believe that Satan is the opposite of the Lord Jesus Christ, and that he is the evil opposite of. Well, that's not true. Uh, to get a, a, an accurate depiction of an opposite, it might be maybe Satan and Michael, the archangel, or Gabriel, the archangel, because, again, Satan, Lucifer, was just one of the archangels. And so uh, to be a, a, an evil opposite of, he, hold, he doesn't hold a candle to our Lord Jesus Christ. He doesn't, he's not even close to what God would be. And in fact, and we find that in the end days, God is going to uh, bind Satan in the bottomless pit for a thousand years. Um, and uh, then later on, he's going to cast him into the lake of fire for eternity. And uh, he's going to do so, uh, the Bible says, with the word of his mouth. Uh, it's not going to be a wrestling match. They're not going to draw swords and uh, have some kind of big spiritual battle. Uh, God's just going to simply do it. God's going to say, hey, listen, there you go, and, and it's done. This is the kind of power. When we talk about the fact, and the Bible teaches, that greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world, the fact that we have the, the ability and we have Christ living in us, we have the Holy Spirit living inside of us, to be able to overcome the temptations of the devil and to overcome his wiles, we oftentimes, I think, get in our minds that there's a, uh, a big struggle between God and Satan. That's not the case. The big struggle is between our flesh and Satan. Uh, there is no struggle between God and Satan. And when we walk in the Spirit, we're able to overcome those temptations. And uh, that's the great battle of the Christian life. It's taking our will and taking it away from the flesh and uh, giving it to the new man, to the Spirit, and uh, allowing ourselves to walk in the Spirit. So these Egyptians, they do not have this power at this point, the third one. And uh, so we get down to um, verse number 19. And this, I think, is crucial <clears throat> then the magicians said unto Pharaoh, This is the finger of God, capital G-O-D, not a God, not one of many gods. The magicians at this point, and again, I've said this before, the, the, demon, the, the demoniacs of the New Testament, uh, when Jesus would come towards them, they recognized him for who he was. The demons know who God is. Uh, it's amazing why man is so hard-headed that we oftentimes don't know. 
Um, but they do. And so these, magi- these magicians had no doubt that this was God that did it. He said, this is the finger of God. Notice this, and Pharaoh's heart was hardened, and he hearkened not unto them as the Lord had said. And the Lord said unto Moses, Rise up early in the morning, and stand before Pharaoh. Lo, he cometh forth to the water, and say unto him, Thus saith the Lord, Let my people go, for that they may serve me. Else if thou wilt not let my people go, behold, I will send <coughs> swarms of flies upon thee, and upon thy servants, and upon thy people, and into thy houses. And the houses of the Egyptians shall be full of swarms of flies, and also the ground whereon they are. Notice verse 22, we find here that for the first time, God is going to separate between the Israelites and the Egyptians. He says, And I will sever in that day the land of Goshen, in which my people dwell, that no swarms of flies shall be there. Any of y'all ever have uh, certain standing water or certain times of the years and y'all got flies there? Uh, You go over to your neighbor's yard, guess what? He's got flies too. And you go downtown and uh, maybe down to Festus or the park or wherever, they got flies too. The only place I know that doesn't have flies is Brother Wayne's house. And uh, he's got a way to get rid of <laughs> So when the fly season comes, we all just head over there. We're going to stay over at his house. But uh, the truth is, uh, when flies come, that's, that's a pretty, pretty uh, interesting thing, that God keeps the flies away from the land of Goshen. There's almost like an invisible barrier there, if you will. And... Um, He says this in verse number uh, 22. He says that thou mayest know that I am the Lord in the midst of the earth, and I will put a division between my people and thy people. Tomorrow shall this sign be. And the Lord did so, and there was a grievous swarm of flies into the house of Pharaoh and into his servants' houses and into all the land of Egypt, and the land was corrupted by reason of the swarms of flies. And Pharaoh called for Moses and Aaron, And said, Go ye, sacrifice to your God in the land. And Moses said, It is not meet so to do, for we shall sacrifice the abomination of the Egyptians to the Lord our God. Uh, Lo, shall we sacrifice the abomination of the Egyptians before their eyes, and they will not stone us? In other words, what Pharaoh is saying, Listen, go sacrifice to your God. But don't go out into the wilderness. Just do it here. And Pharaoh's like, we're, we're going to be sacrificing about these flies that are here, and the Egyptians are going to stone us for this. They're going to get mad at us, is what Moses was saying. Verse number 27. We will go three days' journey into the wilderness and sacrifice to the Lord our God as he shall command us. And Pharaoh said, I will let you go that you may sacrifice to the Lord your God in the wilderness, only ye shall not go very far away and treat for me. And Moses said, Behold, I will go out from thee. And I will entreat the Lord that the swarms of flies may depart from Pharaoh, from his servants, and from his people tomorrow. But let not Pharaoh deal deceitfully anymore in not letting the people uh, go to sacrifice to the Lord. And so Moses kind of calls out Pharaoh. Now, keep in mind, uh, we read this because we already know the outcome, and it doesn't amaze us about this. Remember Moses' physical ailments and deficiencies. He's a stammering man. He's a shy man. He, he, he was most at home on the backside of the desert with a bunch of sheep. He's not a, a people person, if you will, okay? He's coming and he's standing before the most powerful man in the world at the time. The man that literally, by a, a mention of a word, could have his head chopped off. And uh, notice that when Pharaoh says, okay, I'll, I, Moses, I'll agree to that. I'll let you go. 
You see what Moses did? He said, listen, Pharaoh, don't deal deceitfully with us again. Don't, don't do this and where you tell us you're going to let us go and then don't do it again. And we see a boldness that God puts in Moses that Moses didn't have. And I've said this so often before. There are some times that God will have us do something. He'll, he'll uh, bring something into our lives that we are supposed to do by way of serving Him that we may not feel that we're adequate to the task. We don't, we don't feel like we have the talents or we may not feel that we have the personality for it or the stamina for it. Can I tell you this, that whatever God leads us to do, He will always enable us to do. Every single time. The, the fact that God has given you and I the commission to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature is one of those things we look at, and if we're not careful, we'll say that is an overwhelming task that is way too much. We cannot succeed in it. And the truth of the matter is, if we will go and do what God has told us to do and be obedient, God will enable our, our generation to reach this world with the gospel. The problem is, many times we say, I can't. I can't do this. Uh, the Bible teaches quite clearly, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. And for us to tell God that we can't do something that He's asked us to do is telling God that we don't believe that you are able. We're not really telling Him that I don't believe that I am able. Because we're saying that no matter what strength you give me, I still will not be able to accomplish it. And so Pharaoh, or Moses has gotten some boldness here. He's grown, hasn't he? He's already seen God's hand at work so many times. And yet Moses isn't perfect. We'll see that he still doubts every once in a while. But he's gotten some boldness here. By the way, before we're too critical of Moses, we do too. There are moments we have great faith in God, and then moments we are anxious and worried and don't know what to do. And we do the same things. The Bible says in verse number 30, Moses went out from Pharaoh and entreated the Lord, and the Lord did according to the word of Moses. <clears throat> and he removed the swarms of flies from Pharaoh, from his servants and from his people. There remained not one. And Pharaoh hardened his heart at, that, at this time also, neither would he let the people go. Then the Lord said unto Moses, Go in unto Pharaoh, and tell him, Thus saith the Lord God of the Hebrews, Let my people go, that they may serve me. For if thou refuse to let them go, and wilt hold them still, behold, the hand of the Lord is upon thy cattle, which is in the field, upon the horses, upon the asses, upon the camels, upon the oxen, upon the sheep, and there shall be very... A grievous moraine. And uh, so we find that there are four gods of the Egyptians. Uh, one that is named Ta, uh, one is named Hathor, one that is named ne Nevis and Ammon. Uh, these four gods were associated with cattle and livestock. And again, uh, the Egyptians had a god to almost everything. And so God, again, one by one is picking these gods of the uh, Egyptians off and saying they, they are no gods at all in comparison to me. And so we find he, he takes care of another four. Uh, in verse number uh, four, the Bible says, The Lord shall sever between the cattle of Israel and the cattle of Egypt, and there shall nothing die of all that is the children's of Israel. And the Lord appointed a set time, saying, Tomorrow the Lord shall do this thing in the land. And the Lord did that thing on the morrow, and all the cattle of Egypt died. That's a pretty big... You think about the food shortage... I mean, this is, Egypt is going from the most powerful empire in the world at the time to one of the most desolate simply because God is proving himself strong. <clears throat> and the Lord did that thing on the morrow, and all the cattle of Egypt died, but the cattle of the children of Israel died, not one. 
And Pharaoh sent, and behold, there was not one of the cattle of the Israelites dead, and the heart of Pharaoh was hardened, and he did not let the people go. And the Lord said unto Moses and unto Aaron, Take to you the handfuls of ashes of the furnace, and let Moses sprinkle it toward the heaven in the sight of Pharaoh. And it shall become small dust in all the land of Egypt, and shall be a boil breaking forth within blains upon man and upon beast throughout all the land of Egypt. And they took ashes of the furnace and stood before Pharaoh, and Moses sprinkled it up toward heaven, and it became a boil breaking forth with blains upon man and upon beasts. And the magicians, notice this again, could not stand before Moses because of the boils. For the boil was upon the magicians and upon all of the Egyptians. And the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, and he hearkened not unto them as the Lord had spoken unto Moses. So again, this is nothing new. Moses is not surprised by this. God has already told Moses that he's going to harden Pharaoh's heart in each of these things. There are uh, three Egyptian gods, I uh, don't know if I can pronounce all of them, that uh, deal with um, uh, the goddesses of healing or the gods of epidemics. Uh, one of them is Sekhmi, Serapis, and Imhopte. Uh, they're kind of odd names. But again, we see three more gods of the Egyptians that have no power. The Bible says that even the magicians couldn't stand before Moses because they had the boils. I mean, these, these guys that were the priests, the ones that were uh, the religious leaders of these idols, uh, could not come and stand before Moses because of it. Verse 13, And the Lord said unto Moses, Rise up early in the morning and stand before Pharaoh, and say unto him, Thus saith the Lord God of the Hebrews, Let my people go, <coughs> that they may serve me. For I will at this time send all my plagues upon thine heart, and upon thy servants, and upon thy people, that thou mayest know that there is none like me in all the earth. I think this is a very critical passage here in verse chapter number 9. For now will I, I will stretch out my hand, that I may smite thee and thy people with pestilence, and thou shalt be cut off from the earth. Now, <clears throat> uh, in verse number 16 he says, And in very deed for this cause have I raised thee up. So God's saying, okay, this is my cause. This is why I'm doing what I'm doing. This is why I'm raising up Pharaoh into this position. This is why I'm hardening Pharaoh's heart. He says, For this cause have I raised thee up, for to show in thee my power. So sometimes God brings somebody like a Pharaoh along, puts them in that position, and causes their hearts to be hardened. It certainly caused hardship to the nation of Israel, didn't it? That It wasn't pleasant for them. But God's purpose in it, here according to verse number 16, He says, I've put you in this position that I can show in thee, in other words, through you, I'm, I'm showing my power, notice this, and that my name may be declared throughout all Egypt, throughout all of Israel, through Moses and Aaron. What does it say here? Throughout what? All the earth. All right, so notice the progression here. We have God coming to Moses in the burning bush, and God has to convince Moses, I am that I am. I am the one true God. And, and Moses knew that, but he, he had to be shown those signs. He, he said, I don't think you can do it, God. I don't think I can do it. <clears throat> so God convinces Moses and causes Moses to have faith. And then he goes to Aaron, and he has to convince Aaron. Then he goes to the nation of Israel, and he has to convince the nation of Israel. Then he goes to Pharaoh, and he has to convince Pharaoh. And then he has to go back to the nation of Israel and reconvince the nation of Israel through three more plagues that I am the God. 
And then he established in uh, the third plague, even the Egyptians said, this is the finger of God. So now the, the world's most, uh, the strongest, most well-known empire at the time, they know that this is the God of the Hebrews and he's the one true God. And now God tells us in chapter number 9, he says, Pharaoh, for this cause, I've not only put you in this place, but I've hardened your heart so that I could show my power and that it could be known throughout all the earth. I say all that to say this. There are times that things will happen in our lives that we will not understand. But can I tell you this? God has a plan. God has a plan. We may not fully understand what or why He's doing some of the things that He's doing. But it could be that it's no other reason than to show that He is strong. I've been through some of the very dark valleys of life. And every time I've been able to come out on the other side and look back and be able to praise Him and thank Him for who He is. Way more than I would have if I hadn't gone through the valley. I've heard stories of people even in this room of things they've gone through, burdens on their hearts, where God has shown Himself strong. And not only has He shown it in our lives, but those that are watching our lives have seen the hand of God at work. And they rejoice in it. And they give praise to God for it. We don't always understand why God's doing what He's doing. But rest assured, He is still the God of heaven. He still knows what's going on. Nothing takes Him by surprise. He's an all-knowing God. And uh, He says, for this cause I've done these things. <clears throat> In verse number 17, He says, As yet exaltest... Where are we doing on time? There we go. As yet exaltest thou thyself against my people, that thou wilt not let them go. Behold, tomorrow about this time I will cause it to rain a very grievous hail, such as hath not been in Egypt since the foundation thereof, even until now. Send therefore now, and gather thy cattle, and all that thou hast in the field, for upon every man and beast which shall be found in the field, and shall not be brought home, and hail shall come down upon them, and they shall die. He that feared the word of the Lord among the servants of Pharaoh made his servants and cattle flee into the houses. I think that's an interesting verse, don't you? There were some of the, the house of Pharaoh, some servants, didn't fear God yet. But those that did, they heard what Moses said. They went and got their servants, they got their cattle, and they put them away. It shows us that God is still a merciful God. Because here we have some people of the household of Pharaoh, these Egyptians, and yet God gives them warning. He doesn't just say, I'm going to kill all your servants or all your cattle. He says, I'm going to give you a chance. He said, you can bring them in and they'll be spared. And if they feared God, the Bible says here in verse number 20 that those that feared God among the servants of Pharaoh made his servants and his cattle flee into the houses. That shows me God's mercy. God could have easily just continued to judge Egypt as a whole, couldn't he? But he said, you know what, if there's a few in that group that fear me, I'm not going to make them pay the price with all the rest. By the way, we find God doing that throughout Scripture, don't we? God comes to Abram. He says, I'm going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. And what was Abraham's request? He said, wilt thou also destroy the righteous with the wicked? He begins to narrow God down. He says, even if there's just a few, just a handful... Just ten. If we can find ten righteous in the whole city. He said, I'll spare the city for the righteous sake. What an amazing God. Is He just God? Sure. 
Are there times He brings great judgment? Absolutely. But aren't we glad He's a merciful God? Verse number 22, And the Lord said unto Moses, Stretch forth thine hand toward heaven, that there may be hail in all the land of Egypt, upon man and upon beast, and upon every herb of the field throughout the land of Egypt. And Moses stretched forth his rod toward heaven, and the Lord sent thunder and hail. And the fire ran along the, upon the ground, and the Lord rained hail upon the land of Egypt. So there was hail, <clears throat> and fire mingled with the hail, very grievous, such as there was none like it in all the land of Egypt since it became a nation. And the hail smote throughout all the land of Egypt, all that was in the field, both man and beast. And the hail smote every herb of the field and break every tree of the field, only in the land of Goshen, where the children of Israel were, was there no hail. By the way, there's going to come a time where God's going to take His people out of this world, isn't He? It's going to be before the great wrath and the great judgment that He brings upon it. We see that this is part of God's character time and time again throughout Scripture. And Pharaoh sent and called for Moses and Aaron and said unto them, I have sinned this time. Now this is the first time we see this statement from Pharaoh. Do you notice as we go along that each time God is bringing Pharaoh a little bit closer and a little bit closer and a little bit closer? Pharaoh comes and he says, I have sinned this time. The Lord is righteous, and I and my people are wicked. I think this is a turning point for Pharaoh. His heart continues to be hardened, and I think that we'll look at some reasons why I believe that happens. But for the first time, I think we see Pharaoh admitting that even he himself, as the God King, cannot stand before the God of the Hebrews. For he says that he had sinned against the Lord and that the Lord is righteous and he says this I and my people are wicked what a statement from a man who thought he was a God king and we see a turning point in Pharaoh's life I think at this point even though his heart is still going to be hardened even though he's still going to give a difficult time and we'll talk about some of the things about perhaps why that is in the near future here. Uh, all right, we'll go ahead and end there today and pick up there next Sunday. And um, we'll be back here in about, oh, probably 15 minutes. Let's have a word of prayer. Father, we're thankful for your word. We pray that you'll bless it and use it as we study it and learn from it. Lord, we see more of your character. We see more of you, and I, our hearts are drawn to it. Lord, what a, what a great Savior we have. What a great God we have. Lord, as much as we learn about you, as much as we know about you, we begin to realize how little we know and how much more there is to you than what we can ever fathom. And yet we rejoice in what we do know. Look forward to the time and the day that we'll be united with you and throughout all of eternity be able to uh, sit at your feet to worship you, to express our love and our gratitude to you. We pray that you'll bless the messages to follow, that you will speak to hearts and encourage us through your word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.